Hello and welcome back to um, Tales of Faith podcast. Um, yeah, we are on Narrative Lectionary 214. So it's the second year, 14th Sunday of that year. That's how that works. Okay. I am joined by my lovely wife, Louise, who is making funny faces at me about how that's set up. But uh, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, that's the numbering system that they have done. And so I, I just use it. So anyways, uh, welcome back. Thanks for. Okay. Could be. All right. Um, thanks for joining us again. If you are or joining us for the first time, this is our second podcast on um, the narrative lectionary. Um, and I did not do a blog last week because we did the podcast and it's the Christmas Advent season. So that may be how that works. And that's, that's all right. So that's okay. So we are on Isaiah chapter 40 verses one through 11, which is the, uh, scripture reference. Got your own Bible. We're both reading out of the new revised standard version of the bible so um yeah to kind of set the set the mood set the context last week we were talking about jeremiah um right at the sort of very 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 end of the nation of judah uh, before it falls to exile in babylon um, we heard a couple of weeks before that from isaiah and the um you know, the, the song of the vineyard sort of, you know, a bit before the exile. Now we're actually skipping ahead to the end of the exile, but we're still in Isaiah. So there is, there are kind of two major schools of thought on Isaiah. Um, one is some, some take it as one cohesive unit. It's all the same person who's writing. Um, probably before the exile, but has maybe potentially some prophetic sort of visions of the future. Um, and so is writing in a sort of post-exile for, for those folks in um, after the exile. Okay. Does that make sense? Um, the other and probably more sort of consensus view uh, among scholars is that there was one writer that was Isaiah chapter 1 through 39. And in Isaiah 40, we now skip to after the exile. And this is probably someone who is a disciple of a disciple of a disciple or something like that of Isaiah, still writing kind of in the same, um, not only genre, but also kind of along the same school of thought, uses a lot of the same imagery but is someone who is now writing at the end of the exile, writing to those who are sort of going to be returned back. So depending on which school of thought, one would be more literal. If you're saying if it's, if it's the second, then mm -hmm. you had someone who was literally there at the beginning of the exile and literally there at the end of the mm -hmm. exile. Okay. And if it's the first school of thought, then, some, then they were there beginning of the exile and then anything that has to do with the exile the end of the exile is prophetic right if i'm understanding what yeah you're kind saying. of or yeah future vision right yeah a future vision of some sort okay. um yeah. yeah i'm just repeating the words back to you make sure i understand yeah. what you said <laughs> um yeah and it's it's um yeah so it's it's sort of that traditional view is that it's all by one person and you know how that actually works I, there's probably multiple versions of that, but um, but the the pretty much consensus view among scholars is we're How talking to her. Um, that is a great question that I don't have at my fingertips. Um, there's the initial seventy years that is talked about in um, in. Yeah, that book in the Bible, in the Bible somewhere. Um, but I know it was longer than that. We're, we're actually talking um, 
end of the exile is actually past Babylon. So okay. Babylon takes over Judah, and then Babylon is uh, is taken over by um, the Persian Empire. And so that's what actually brings about the end of the exile. Yeah, and we'll talk about that as we um, as we talk about this, because part part of what's going on here, um, we see it as sort of like with uh, as messianic, uh, but part of it is also a a a different kind of messiah within uh, Cyrus, the uh, the emperor of of Persia, who's going to allow the people to go back home. Um, okay, so we take it a little more, and and I think that the, it functions both ways. Though it functions. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, kind of regardless of how who you think wrote it and how it was mm-hmm. written, it has that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, right. 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 And um, yeah. And that, that's a that's an interesting um. Just to note, pro, uh, prophetic. Oftentimes we think about prophetic as sort of like future focused, which certainly is is part of prophetic writing, but especially within Judaism, prophecy or prophetic writing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, there's that too. So fun time. (laughs) All right. Do you want to break in? Uh, Probably verses one to two. Do you want to read or? Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. That she has served her term, that she that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. No, that's good. Um so yeah, I mean it's there's there's the sort of word of comfort. And and notice that it's a pretty um like what comes right before this is Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your ancestors have stored up until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. Some of your own sons who bore you uh, to you shall be taken away. They shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good for he thought there will be peace and security in my days. And it's it's kind of a big tonal shift. We're shifting from narrative to, um, to it's in verse form now. Um, and thematically, it really is sort of like just at the, at the edge of exile, right before that happens and now as we'll see, kind of a post-exile. So just to note that. Can I just say, I think it's super interesting that after hearing all this, I know I'm going back with mm-hmm. tangent, whatever. Uh, Hezekiah said to Isaiah that the words you've spoken are good, mm-hmm. for he thought there will be peace and security in my days. I'm just wondering if he was listening to the same thing everyone else was. Right. <laughs> like, did you hear what God said? Or are you thinking... Because the reverse of this is, well, there hasn't been peace. So if this other guy comes in and he takes over, at least we're going to have peace. At least right. the trains are going to run on time. Kind right. Of thing. Um, it might be that, or it may be, or it may be sort of this. He's hearing this word of hope, and he's hearing what he wants to hear out of it. Right. That's yeah. the yeah. That was the other thing. I was like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't. It seems as though he's not listening to the same thing that everyone else is listening to. Yeah. Because there's not in this bit, anyways. There's not a whole lot of hope or peace in this yeah your your son's being kidnapped and yeah. being made into eunuchs is not usually a sort of like uh, super hopey yeah. thing yeah so i just thought that was <laughs> good point like, oh that's what you're taking away <laughs> cool moving on uh so anyway so so this this bit starts with this comfort for the people um and speaking tenderly to Jerusalem, uh, that she has served her term. That's part of it also. Like it's this, that's past tense now, right? So we've gone from this is going to be happening to now this has happened. We're done. Uh, We're done with that. We, you know, 
we had a video montage of the exile. Now we're here at the end, we're looking back on it. Now that time is over. Penalty is paid, partially that sort of, a lot of this imagery that Isaiah and some of the other prophets have, have used about like, all this stuff is happening, it's gonna be bad, and it is a you know reaction or a um, it's a consequence. It's a consequence of your actions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that sort of idea. She's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins, which is kind of uh, troubling or or a, it's an interesting sort of phrase. Yeah. Um, but kind of this idea that everything and more. Right. Well, and I think I wonder if in there too is not the the consequences could have been less. Mm. Had you at any point turned the ship around, mm -hmm. stopped the car, turned around, gone home, could it, maybe it wasn't maybe it didn't have to be double. Oh. Um, and I think that point that he's making there is y'all got double. Right. <laughs> You didn't have to. That's yeah. an inter that's a really interesting uh, point. That just the way that reads to me is mm. yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. That there was an an, an an intended amount of punishment. You have received double. One could look at that and go, "God's not fair because God has given double punishment." Yeah. But you can but also that's, look at it as you deserved double because... Or you deserved half as much as you actually got because of your hard-heartedness and stiff-neckedness. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That's good. I like that. Um, yeah, but but in general, it's this sort of, this, this begins this... Again, it's a tonal shift from... Your sons are going to become eunuchs to comfort. Yeah, right? and you can even transpose that against the speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Mm, yeah, that, you know, even though you received double, mm -hmm. now it is time to speak love and to mm -hmm. to move on. Yeah, and where with Isaiah, it's this sort of there's kind of a hard shift between these two sections. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason to think, okay, maybe they're from two different periods, two different people. Um, uh, we saw a little bit of that in Jeremiah with sort of, he, he kind of goes between these two voices like back and forth. Right. He'll speak sort of these really harsh things. And then he, he writes a letters letter to all the, those in exile is like, Hey, y'all just, Settle down. Got the compliment, okay. complaint, compliment note. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so the next section is three to five. You want to do it or you want sure. to do it? Okay. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So this is obviously, we hear this a lot in the voice of uh, John the Baptizer, right? Who, who uses this same phrase, like, here's the voice that cries out in the wilderness. Um prepare the way of the Lord, which, um, you know, in John's day has a particular sort of meaning, right? Come and, and uh, prepare the way of the Lord, right? The Lord is coming. And that's usually how we hear it. Um, go ahead. Uh, when you said that, it also made me think the different ways in which the Israelites have been taught to prepare themselves to go mm. into the temple or to go into worship or to go you know, that preparing the way of the Lord means something even a little more different to them mm -hmm. um, and more uh, that there, there was more behind that. Um, especially because I've been listening to all the all of your 
daily prayers, and we've been, you've been going through a lot of that. Yeah. Um, the different ways in which you prepare to go into the temple and mm -hmm. prepare your sacrifices, and you prepare this, and you prepare like it's just. And that's part of what John is doing there at the Jordan River. This idea of baptism, um, of yeah, it's like that ritual washing. Yeah. Yeah, you're preparing yourself. Um, also, I'm pretty sure he's saying it, so let's just. That's true. Right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Get that out there. Um, <laughs> uh, that was a Godspell reference, just in case you didn't get it. Um, but how similar and yet different this sounds to a people who have now for a probably a couple generations been in a foreign land and are seeing either have received the news or are yet or soon to receive this news, you get to go back home. So this idea of prepare the way of the Lord is this sort of like, we, the way has been made clear. Mm -hmm. We haven't been able to go back home and Partially, there was not really a home to go back to, but now we do. We do get to go back to this. Um, so there's that's, yeah. that's sort of a part of it as well. And it's not only going to be we get to go back home, but it's it's a highway. It's it's a it's a way that has been made easy. The valleys are going to be brought up. The mountains are going to be brought down. So everything you know, you're not having to go up and down and up and down. You can just go right that the way has been made clear um and this really connects to again um talking about cyrus who's the the emperor of uh, persia who they take over and this part of like from say ezra we have this story of ezra is one of the servants of cyrus and um he gets news that that he gets news from Jerusalem that it's destroyed, that the temple has been um, destroyed. He's descendants of people who, you know, who had been brought out in the first wave of the exile. He, he hasn't okay. really grappled with the destruction of, of his home city that he's never been to. Um, and, uh, and Cyrus says, you know, like, what's going on? And he tells him the story and then says, oh, well, you can go back. Not only can you go back, I'm going to send you back with money to go and rebuild the temple. I'm going to send you back to rebuild the the city, the wall around the city. Um, so it's this true making of half where, you know, this Ezra would not have been able to potentially do this without that. Um and partially that's also a just looking at the geopolitics of these two um, empires. Babylon was very much formed in this idea where we're all Babylon. Um, so you're going to take people and just mix them up. So that's uh, th they saw this from the Assyrians. That's why there's no Israel at this point. Because um, all those people were taken out and they were spread all over the empire. And so they're just there. There's not enough people to have sort of national identity or ethnic identity. Um, and to a certain extent, the Babylonians tried that. They brought a bunch of people over. And partially that was the, the letter from Jeremiah to the exiles. Hey, just bloom where you're planted, you know, like build houses and marry people and you'll be okay. Um but the Persian Empire and Cyrus in particular is known, and we know this from like multiple extra biblical accounts, that the Persian take on things was much more like kind of what the Romans did for a to a certain extent was we're going to allow people to be their own people. Like they're, they can not quite their own nation, um, but they're. Yeah, like they can have their own culture, they can have their own gods, they can do whatever, like just make sure we get taxes, like, but you can thrive in your own identity and, and we're not going to impose something upon you. So a much more sort of liberal um, kind of viewpoint.
Um, and so this is part of it is, is Cyrus is going to allow these people who had been taken forcibly from their home, you can go back to that home. And in fact, I'm going to help you build a, a center for it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I know at this point the Ark of the Covenant is gone and all of that. Yes. But um, again, just this, this making a path reminds me of David bringing the Ark of the Covenant back in. Yeah, we saw very that, recently. There's still that imagery there mm-hmm. of bringing, of God's people going into the city and that, that path. Like a parade type, yeah. yeah. Procession. Um, and that the glory of the the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all the people shall see it together. Mm-hmm. Um, that that just kind of brought that to mind. Yeah, I like that. There was something else, but I don't remember what it was. All right, maybe it'll come up. All right, next section is uh, it's okay. Um, basically, the the rest of our pericope, um, six to six to eleven. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their consistency is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See the Lord God comes with might, and God's arm rules for God. God's reward is with God, and God's recompense before God. God will feed God's flock like a shepherd. God will gather the lambs in their arms and carry them to God's bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. Um, funny pronoun stuff there. In fact, I was thinking, and I didn't write a note, but that, that last one um, and carry them to NRSV as his bosom, but actually bosom, I mean, it almost feels like her would be appropriate there, but anyways. Also, I hope we've abandoned the grass metaphor by that point. What? <laughs> I said also, hopefully we've abandoned the grass metaphor by that point because it gets a Say, say more about that, because I'm not sure what the... No, well, back here, the people are grass, and then uh-huh. now we're over here, and God feeds his Oh, flock. now they're a flock. Right, right. <laughs> feed, feed the people with the with the people? Wait, I thought we were grass. Now we're the now we're sheep. Now we're... Or, are the people the grass? Because that's, that's a problem. I can see that. <laughs> All right. I like this, the first part. A voice says, cry out. And I said, uh, what should I cry, right? Um, yeah well and i think it connects maybe to the isaiah 6 sort of isaiah caught up into the into the presence of god and god says who's going to go for me and he says i i will go um and then god gives the um the mission of go and and tell these people who are not going to listen to you so Love this. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. Mm. Um, when the breath of the Lord blows on us, we lose ourselves. Mm. We it it, it it harkens to the um, when Jesus says, "Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow mm. me." That when the breath of the Lord comes upon us, we can let go of all of those things and actually live in God. Mm-hmm. Um, but that humanness can wither in in a beautiful way, mm-hmm. right? Not a not a bad way, but in a, in a way that we can be 
filled with the spirit. Um, that just mm. that imagery, and that may not be what it actually is there, but I, that's because I had I had gone like John's gospel, the the spirit blows where it wishes, and you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. But that's an interesting one. Too. It's that it says the grass mm -hmm. withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows mm -hmm. upon it. So if we are grass, mm -hmm. and when the Lord blows upon like to me, it feels like he's saying something good here. Though. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because then the next bit is the grass withers, the, fed, the, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. And we are the grass here. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's the imagery of, you know, our words are going to die, and we're going to mm -hmm. die, and all of that fades away, but the word of God will stand forever. But I think there's also something there that when we are overcome by the Spirit, mm -hmm. we can take on that uh, word of God that will stand forever. Mm -hmm. Does that, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's very... Yeah, uh, and it's it's not nihilistic. Yeah, no. It's not... No, I was going nihilistic. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a, it's weird because it sounds so funerally, mm -hmm. but I don't think that's what it's meant. I mm -hmm. think it's actually a really uplifting thing that when the breath of the Lord blows upon us, we get this beautiful peace. Mm -hmm. um, we get that joy and we and our cares and concerns can fade away mm -hmm. because we have now been... The Holy Spirit has now come upon us. The breath of God has come upon us. So we can wither and let all of those things go and be in the presence and be be in the presence of God, be in that presence of that word that does not fade. Mm -hmm. That even though we have, we are finite, yeah. we are in the presence and have access to something that is not finite, infinite. Yeah. Um that's, it's not a totally refined thought. Yeah. There's something in there. No, and I think actually thinking that along the lines of our kind of joke earlier of of the sheep, that this grass receives the breath and it dries out, and it may now, like it does not have life in the same way that it did before, but it continues life in the... In the feeding of the sheep and so that is then passed on and so maybe for a as this word of hope to a people who have now been in exile for a long time right god's breath has blown upon you you have dried out there's um you have lost what you once had and yet that experience is going to give life to god's people yeah. going forward yeah hmm. and oh as always sort of shepherd sheep flock imagery is so rich this sort of um that sheep are not always particularly smart <laughs> you know but they're um they can be precious and they're they're carried um and gathered together um yeah which of course brings up Jesus is a good shepherd and and all of those sorts of imagery. Yeah. And, and and going back to Psalm 23, we've got the valley and mm. uh, Oh yeah. You know, we have all that imagery too that comes in. Um, right, there is no um, valley of the shadow of death cuz it's this highway. Yeah, there's a, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. yeah. And that when, even when we are walking in those times, because we are walking with God, they are not the valleys that we see. They, hmm. they are higher. They are greater. Mm -hmm. 
and his rod and his staff they they lead us yeah interesting yeah i wonder if that's uh that's part of what the the author is trying to evoke and then this going up to a high mountain right now we see a mountain O Zion, herald of good, good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings, lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. This sort of uh, back to this idea of um, that's in the very beginning of Isaiah of sort of this juxtaposition of sort of the Jerusalem that exists and the Jerusalem of heaven. Um, the city of God as we see it and the city of God as it should be and it could be. Um, and this is bringing that imagery, right? This is to be a place, not only are we going back home, but it's to be this place where God's very presence is to be seen. Um, Which um, I think is particularly poignant right now as Zionism being this a political movement that is seeking the destruction of other people groups and a Jerusalem that um, holds up power. Um, that that's, yeah, I think that's a particularly poignant image, um, the juxtaposition of those two. That Jerusalem is a city that does exist and, in my opinion, does not show forth the glory of God, at least has not been in the last couple of months. Um, so... Um, I was also going to point out the um, the God's kingdom that exists in heaven, but the mm -hmm. kingdom of God here on earth. Mm -hmm. That <clears throat> that idea that when when God when Jesus came, he came to establish his kingdom on earth, mm -hmm. and uh, when he died, rose again then that task now falls to us mm -hmm. and it it, it, it it both exists and doesn't exist mm -hmm. yes at the same time absolutely um, that was kind of where, where what i was seeing there yeah um, and that we'll we'll see that imagery come up in um in mark as we go in that uh, i don't think in mark john the baptizer talks about the kingdom of God. We'll see. Um, you can look that up. But Jesus certainly does. Right. And in Mark's gospel, it's the kingdom of God. Behold, the kingdom of God has come near. Um, and there's, there's an element to it that is very um, subversive, right? Because the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus's very presence, the incarnation of God, is is the kingdom of God, right. and building that, and and choosing these twelve to be apostles, and and bringing about life where there was death, and all of these sorts of things is the kingdom of God. Right. Um, it, His actions of healing and love and um, provision and calls to forgive that those are the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that we should be establishing and continuing forward. His his idea of justice um, that, that that is the kingdom of God mm -hmm. as opposed to the future revelation idea mm -hmm. of God coming back again and then Basically, nobody disagrees with God. Like everything is right. Um, Everything's kind of made. Be, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that's that's such a new idea for me mm-hmm. because that is not this idea that we should be working to establish the kingdom of God and what mm-hmm. that means right now mm-hmm. is not an idea that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, I far more grew up with the understanding that Jesus came, he, <clears throat> you know, Jesus came, he was on earth, he died, he resurrected, he went up to heaven, and now we believe in God and we get forgiveness and we should spread love and we should get everybody to be Christians. Mm-hmm. And that's what our job is, right? Not the idea that when Jesus went to heaven, he left us with the commission to create, to continue to create mm-hmm. God's kingdom here on earth, mm-hmm. right now, today. Mm-hmm. That that kingdom is something future coming after the, in what, in whatever the things are that right. happen in Revelation. When it just gets um, so, yeah. so bad that God has to come in. Yeah, and so and that, that yeah. allowed us as Christians to not have so much work to do. Mm-hmm. Right, it allows us to get off the hook easy mm-hmm. because we aren't necessarily. This is not what I'm saying, but the the idea is that we are not necessarily called to create those that system of justice. We are not called to bring all peoples together. We're not called to, um, uh, you know, to work for 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 peace for all, and we're not called to forgive all, and we're not called for inclusion and mm-hmm. Because those are all things of the kingdom of God. Well, we obviously that's not our job. That's God's job. Um, and so that that idea that I have been um, realizing more and more mm-hmm. is the call, is the good news that we are supposed to be spreading, is the kingdom of God. It is a call to um, do all of that work, to inclusion, to anti-racism, to justice, to um, you know conquering poverty, to mm-hmm. Um, uh, all that, yeah, dismantling those structures yeah, dismantling and all, all of that structures stuff. Yeah. That, um, that that is the fruition of the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and obviously it's not. It's it's probably not attainable, right? But that doesn't mean that we are not called to work towards it every single day. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's a both and. Like there's yeah. there's there's this um, sort of there is a biblical image that God is going to come and make right. all things well, right? talk about like i still think that's going to happen yeah sure we still have to be working we have to work towards it yeah that we we gave ourselves this out yeah with not recognizing that that is part of our current job too it's not just a future hope it is both yeah and part of that sort of refocus is deeply rooted in this sort of that uh prophetic conversation around that that sort of stuff yeah is yeah we live in this world and dietrich bonhoeffer brought up the same image like we live simultaneously in two worlds one that is broken and horrendous and evil and all of the things that we can think of and we also live in a world that is redeemed by god yeah we are also called to bring about justice when we don't see justice um because that's it's it's a difference between this is how it is now and then one day it'll be like this and we don't have to do anything about it it's it's the it's now like this and this vision of what it will be eventually is draws us to do something about that now like yeah. let's bring about that world here and now it's the um, Star Trek sort of vision of like, what if we actually lived in a world where we didn't worry about some of these things? Yeah. Um, casting that vision calls us to sort of make the steps that get us there to that place. Yeah. Um, um, so one of my kids today, my little four-year-old, no, I think he's maybe a TK, so it could be five, asked me where heaven was. Um, and so you know i was like well but that is a big question also not what we're talking about but anyways (laughs) uh, and so we talked a little bit about like i don't know i don't know where the physical heaven is Mm -hmm. i know that's where god is and so that's where i want to be but Mm -hmm. also god is here 
Mm-hmm. So in a way, heaven is here with us right now, too, mm-hmm. because God is here, because Jesus lives in us all, and Jesus is all around us, and the Spirit is all around us. Um, also, heaven is outside of time and outside mm-hmm. of our universe, because we don't understand it. Um, and he seemed fairly placated by that answer. Nice. But uh, that's also cut that imagery of the kingdom now and the kingdom later all right. reminded me of that. Well, and that's partially what's really wild about the revelation of John. And one bit that we tend to kind of like overlook is that the the city of God, it's it's not about us going up into heaven. Right. It's about the city of God coming down. Yeah. Um, the dwelling house, place of God is now among human humanity. And that's kind of what this is. It's look, look at Zion. Right. This is the place where you can truly see here is our God. We can see God on display. We see who God is because we see this physical thing. We can experience it. It's incarnational. That's that is this season of Advent. We are celebrating God has come among us. To show us what it looks like to be the kingdom of God here and now, um, how we treat one another, but also it's the call to um, to participate in that, right? Um, there's a huge crowd, and we'll see this in Mark, right? Um, a huge crowd, and the disciples come to Jesus and say, "Hey, they're all hungry. You should feed them." And Jesus says, actually, no, you should feed them, right? Um, That in the incarnation, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God made flesh in a unique and dialed up to 11 sort of way. But part of the call, just like that sort of coming kingdom of God, part of our call is to then be God made flesh, to be the presence of God for those around us, to feed them, to clothe them, to visit them, to welcome them. Um, And that, that picture of perfection draws us closer and closer to it rather than um, just makes us give up and and that for me is circling back to that previous verse about when the god the breath of god is on mm-hmm. us it you know we wither mm. because that is when we can so when the holy spirit comes upon us and we we are humanness withers and we can more uh closely is not the right word but um honestly maybe more carry out that mission um, in that in that in that way because the breath of God is on us Mm. that we can serve that purpose of incarnation of, of bringing the kingdom of heaven when we allow our humanness to to fade and to be focused on the things of God it's kenosis. It's emptying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what that's where I'm going. That's yeah. where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you're gonna really like this. I'm gonna send you this podcast, but um the the most recent uh homebrewed Christianity is uh, on Lord of the Rings. I love Lord of the Rings. I know. Um and we should do a watch uh, watch through, that'd be fun. Um but uh they were talking about that that is so important to Tolkien, mm-hmm. um, that kenosis, that a, the good hero, like the good b- bishop, is the one who does not want it. And so Galadriel refuses the ring. Um, Aragorn refuses the ring. All of these people, um, and a very clear sort of distinction between you know boromir who tries to grasp after it and realizes that that's not what is um that's not true heroism um you know all all of that but that's it's about not grasping after those things 
Um, and that's, that's part of the, that's part of the amazing thing about Jesus's power being displayed in weakness, mm -hmm. a, a crowning victory on a cross. Um, and back to current events, what is so heartbreaking about the current state of Israel and the power that they are wielding. Um, but Yep. Um, there's also a connection there to uh, when Jesus says, you know, don't be like the, um, uh, mm. the Pharisees and the Sadducees, whichever ones are out there praying and like, you know, mm -hmm. being I'll show you about it. Um, that that's not truly the kingdom, mm -hmm. right? That the kingdom is the person in there quietly giving his seven baskets or his one fish or mm -hmm. his loaf of bread or the widow offering Ezekiel, Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel, or whichever one of those, uh, uh, Isaiah, one of the, one of the E prophets. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, I did that story with the kids not long ago. Uh, their names are all very similar. Oh, like, Elijah with Elijah, the, the pouring the out the, the yeah. oil. Yeah, yeah. Um, and making the loaf of bread, even though mm -hmm. that was going to be it, that was all she had. Mm -hmm. um, that that's the kingdom of God. Yeah. It's not... I am so good, I have so much money, and I'm going to now give out of my abundance to all of these people, and look at how much I have offered. It is instead the quiet workers that are just doing it because they love, because mm -hmm. they see the need, mm -hmm. um, even when it's hard for them to do so even when it means they'll go without. Mm -hmm. But again, that is that is more that that is that true kingdom and that true worship. Yeah. I'm thinking of the uh the starfish story, which I just love, the little girl and there's a there's a storm and there's a bunch of starfish all over the, the beach and she's throwing starfish into the into the ocean and a guy comes up and says there's no way you're gonna save all of them and she says yeah but i've saved that one and that one and you know like doing what we can um and a quote that i heard recently that is just beautiful that every interaction we have either gives people footprints to follow or scars to heal mm -hmm. and that so many of our interactions are about scarring one another um, when it could be so much better. Yeah. Could be so much different. And it's just how we treat somebody, even if we don't agree with them. Like, yeah. who cares? You can still love somebody to, for being somebody. Um, we can see, we can see the God in everybody. Absolutely. If we are looking. Yeah. It's when we see the humanity in everybody that there's a problem because mm. we have to love the humanity in everybody. Oh, yeah. Right? But we are called, we, I mean, we should, but like mm. when we actually see God in each person, mm -hmm. then it becomes, well, when you treat them like that, you're treating God like that. Yeah. It's the um, Matthew it's 25 that, thing. Yeah, yeah, it's that shift. Of, of seeing the heart of God in each person and not just, well, but they haven't accepted, so they're not really, right. they're not a Christian, they're not a child of God. Well, no, that's not the way this works. Right. We're all children of God. Mm -hmm. right? Made in the image of God. Every man on this, yeah, every man, woman, child, they're, they are the image of God. Every person. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, thank you, person. Um, and yeah, 
Um, but what, how, whatever helps, like I would settle for treating everybody like a human being. That, right. that you right. know, that'd be nice. Right. And but yeah, if we yes, see, yes, we need to be seeing the humanity yeah. in each person. But yeah. but how much better would we treat each other if we saw the God in everybody? Yeah. Um, it's Namaste, right? Yeah. The divine in me recognizes the divine in you. Yeah. Um, we are now extremely far from what we started talking about. I don't know because it's um, it's a voice crying out in the wilderness. It's singing in the prepare ye the way of the Lord. Um, it's it's a voice that says cry out. It's saying to the cities of Judah, saying to the cities of the world, here is your God. Here is what God looks like. Jesus is love in sandals, and we are to be love incarnate too. Yeah. We're to show what we're here for. And sometimes that is just a cup of water. Sometimes that is just kindness. Sometimes that is standing in solidarity beside our sibling. Um, sometimes that is dismantling those structures that that keep others yeah, down. Like say, sometimes it is it is militant. It mm-hmm. is, it is um, radical and it is militant mm-hmm. and it is uh, a conquering. It is not always a peaceful. That's one of that's sort of the theme for. Um, holy disruption this week is that peace doesn't always look like the lion laying down with the lamb mm. right that that is a beautiful image and that is an image that we that we should strive for but sometimes peace is standing up mm-hmm. and saying no more mm-hmm. and um, you know protesting mm-hmm. and and tearing down mm-hmm. and not being silent. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. May not be violence, but it's nonviolent resistance, yeah. which is also different to resistance. And or, or not resist or just nonviolence. The truth is, sometimes it is violent. Mm. I think that that it, that is such a hard thing to say, but we cannot be completely nonviolent, right? In the face of the Holocaust, mm-hmm. what should we have done? Should we have been completely nonviolent in the face of that? Mm. The truth is no. That is that was not right. because we tried that, right? I mean, we did that selfishly, but mm. the U.S. certainly tried that, um, and all of the countries around Germany mm-hmm. tried that mm-hmm. because that was in their best self-interest. Mm-hmm. And yes, that that was, but there had to be a violent confrontation, mm-hmm. and at some point, sometime. Violence is what is going to have to occur in order to wrestle power mm-hmm. from those who wield it improperly. Mm. And that is simply because we live in a broken, fallen world. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that that is really God's, that would not be God's first choice or sure. his, his um, want for his creation. But I think that is part of why we do yeah. see the Israelites conquering sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we do see that violence because that is the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. And we have to acknowledge that there there are times when we cannot just sit back and non-violently mm-hmm. protest. We can't just write letters, right? Mm-hmm. We can't just try and sneak people out of the country. That is not going to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, just being a sanctuary city right. is not going to fix the immigration problems, mm-hmm. right? But fighting for their full inclusion, mm-hmm. and that that may mean actual protests. Now, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not condoning violence in that in that particular instance. But mm-hmm. like, we also have to recognize that sometimes we can't be nonviolent and actually accomplish what we need to accomplish mm-hmm. because um, there are violent people in this world. Mm-hmm. 
and we have to be very careful we have to be very judicious we have to be very wary but Mm -hmm. there's also a point you know it's like when that bully hits you do you Mm -hmm. keep getting hit or do you eventually turn around and say nope that's enough we're done i'm going to restrain you and i'm going to stop you Mm -hmm. and how do you do that or even better if that bully's hitting somebody else Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Counterforce and Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, but it's very it's, like it's a yeah, it's, very nuanced thing and right. I'm not saying that, you know Yeah. You should be violent. I'm not mm-hmm. calling necessarily for violence. I'm acknowledging that sometimes we cannot simply remain silent and mm-hmm. nonviolent because mm-hmm. that will not always solve the problem. Yeah. And just to, to clarify the um, distinction, um, nonviolent resistance as as a separate thing to nonviolence. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But but again, like I just I guess I'm more thinking of like situations like World War Two, like yeah. the Holocaust. Like sure. There are, there the are genocides yeah. that are happening all over the world. Mm-hmm. And our response is, well, we can't get involved. Yeah, that's true. And that is simply a way of letting ourselves off the hook. Mm-hmm. And so people are dying, and we are not doing anything about it. Yep. And I am not saying I know what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we should be going to war. Mm-hmm. But I question whether we are doing anything <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, in any, in, in many, many different venues. Um, you know, you've brought up the Middle East, but there's been genocides in oh, absolutely, yeah, Africa and mm-hmm. um, Latin America, mm-hmm. and you know, we just ignore those. Mm-hmm. Just flat out ignore many of them yep. <laughs> because, um, because yeah, yeah, people are making lots of money on those yeah. conflicts. Yeah, and the ideal, of course, would be nonviolent resistance sure. and marching in the streets and all of that. But um, that is not always going to solve the problem. And we have this, you know, especially in this country, we like to say, you know, we like to look at the civil rights movement and we have been taught all of the nonviolent resistance. That's true. Yeah. But after Martin Luther King Jr. was shot, that was not nonviolent. Their mm-hmm. reaction to that was not nonviolent. Mm-hmm. And it was not until after that that actually things started happening. Mm-hmm. Really, truly. And that's not a pretty picture to come no. to terms with. None of it is. No. Because we live in a broken, fallen world where we are not constantly, actively trying to bring the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. So that was, that was another cheery... Uh... <laughs> cheery episode yeah I man just cut the whole last thing no i think i think it was really good i think it was um because these are this is what scripture does it calls us to really look at ourselves and really look at um our brokenness and yet also hold up god's holiness and hold up they despite all of our brokenness god chooses to be with us and for us we can still claim the kingdom of god um, in small ways and in large ways
So yeah, no, I think it's all on on uh, on the table. So, but I think that's we're good for now. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, unless there's anything. Oh no, uh, sermon kind of uh, seeds. Sermon seeds. Of us are doing a sermon this week, so well, yeah, but hypothetically, <laughs> what if we were? Um, I think probably I would be focusing on um, preparing uh, mm-hmm. a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the deserts. Um, uh, kind of like what, what I had talked about, I don't know, last night or whatever, with, when we were doing our Advent readings with Asher about preparing our hearts mm-hmm. because this idea of Advent. I don't remember being a child grappling with the understanding of the idea of Advent. I remember celebrating Advent um, and lighting candles and singing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel and all. Like, I remember all the trappings of it. But having a child has now made me realize exactly how uh, metaphorical and (laughs) possibly a little existential all of this is for kids. and so trying to bring it back to something a little more concrete for them, that this is a good time to take stock of yourself, mm-hmm. to really prepare your own heart for God to come in and fill it. While he is there now, mm-hmm. but maybe it's a good time to do a little deep clean. You know, it's a good time to think, am I holding any grudges? Am I, um, am I still angry with anybody? Or am I angry with God? Or mm-hmm. am I... Um, Upset with myself? Am I? Is, are there uh, self things that I'm holding against um, against myself? Are there uh, body image issues? Are there um, you know all those negative uh, negative self talk things that mm-hmm. we have? Is that all in there? Because that all needs to get wiped out too. And so this is a good time to work on that process of cleaning and. Asking for forgiveness and talking yourself up that because you are a child of God and you are beautiful and you are created in his image and he's created you the way he wants you to be. Um, and that idea of, you know, uh, finding your true self and, and, and exploring and acknowledging that. And I think that's probably where I would go. Hmm. Um, I feel like this one would be a lot of, um, kind of just getting the context, right. Um, a lot of kind of talking about what does it mean for these people who have been in exile to have this highway to, um, to go back and to, to rebuild a city of God. Um, and what does that mean for us? that's kind of kind of the core of of what I would want to do and then and maybe connecting that to advent and to the kingdom of God proclaimed by Jesus yeah. so yeah which you know I think they would be very similar languages mm-hmm. a little more concrete for the kids yeah oh absolutely yeah because you you've You've given them something to munch on first, right. the adults, while yeah. they're listening, and then they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. No Minecraft references. Oh, okay. Well, you know. I got a Star Trek it, reference in there. Yeah. And Lord of the Rings. But we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we're doing our uh, Christmas cantata, so not actually preaching, but that's okay. You're doing. No, you don't have a curse. Uh, children's I don't room. know yet. I haven't decided. It's in there. It might come out. I don't know. Okay, cool. It depends on how much talking I want to do because I'm also narrating for the Kandata. So. Exciting. Um, so great. Thanks for joining us. If you are continuing to listen, God bless you. Thank you so much for Sorry. sticking with us. Um, but yeah, um, let us know what you think. And uh, yeah, you can subscribe on Substack or you can um, follow us on Spotify and we're on Apple, Apple Podcasts and 
maybe some others. I don't know how how everything is going to connect. But um, yeah, thanks for joining us for this episode. And we'll see you next week for what do we have next week? Join us next week for Ezra, the aforementioned Ezra. Not the Jedi Ezra. Thank you for pointing out that. Though, you know, Ezra coming back from exile is a thing, potentially. Spoiler, sorry. Okay. That might that might be a thing. But um thanks for joining us. And uh we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.